My grandfather was a complicated man. My father's father, this is. Not my mother's father, who still is a complicated man. (laughs) My father's father, the ancestor that I might remember on this day of the year. My grandpa was funny. He called all of his grandchildren George, male or female, it didn't matter, except for my brother Andrew, who he called Oswald. And none of us could quite figure out why Andrew was Oswald and the other 40 of us were George. But he was a funny man. He was a loving person. He loved everyone in his family so much. He was a spiritual person. And he was also sometimes not such a nice person, especially to my grandmother, being an old man steeped in traditions of another time and another continent. He believed a lot of things about how people should be in relationship with one another that were, by our standards today, ridiculously sexist. Things that... um, his children and grandchildren tried again and again to change in him, but to to no avail at all. We did finally get him to stop yelling and screaming any time one of his male grandchildren um, got up to help wash the dishes after dinner. That was progress to my grandfather, because in my household, I got up and helped to wash the dishes after dinner. And so... It had to be so when we went to my grandfather's house as well. He didn't let my grandmother leave the house very much except to go shopping. And it wasn't actually until after he died that we realized just how much he restricted her being with his. Because after he passed away, she got to live. She got to explore. She confessed to all of us that she had yearned all of her life to explore the world, to see new things, and that he decided that it wasn't her place to do that and kept her in the house. And by the time he passed away, she only had a few years left on this earth to do it, but by God, she did it with gusto. My grandfather was a complicated man, and I tell you this story in all of its fullness not to make him into some sort of demon, not to dwell on the things that he did wrong, the pain that he caused others, especially my grandmother. But I tell you this story in its fullness to also realize that he was not a saint walking amongst us. He was a flesh and blood human being, a human being with wonderful and generous and admirable qualities, and a human being with deep and obvious flaws. Despite being merely a human being, my grandfather taught me many things on my spiritual journey, which is interesting since my grandfather almost never went to church, brought up a Roman Catholic, as you might expect, of an old Italian man. He almost never went to church. My grandmother was the only person on either side of my extended family who ever, ever attended a mass. But my grandfather used to take walks after dinner on Sundays 
dinner on Sundays if you're not Italian happens at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So there's plenty of daylight left to take a walk after you're done. And he used to take walks through his neighborhood in East New York in Brooklyn, especially after dinner on Sundays. And he would invite anyone who would like to come with him to join him. And most everyone was content with their full bellies to sit on the couch. But I always, I always joined him on his after-dinner walks on Sundays. And Grandpa would walk all around the neighborhood and, and engage in the relationship of all the folks that he knew in the neighborhood sitting out on their stoops. He'd stop for conversations on his walks. And he'd always stop into the church on the corner down the block from him. He never once went to Mass. He, he openly confessed disdain for many of the things that the church had to teach, but he would always stop into the church on the corner on his way back from his Sunday afternoon walks, knowing that the place would pretty much be empty after morning Masses were over. And he'd put a quarter into the box and he'd light a candle in silence. And when I was with him on his walks, he'd bring an extra quarter, and he'd let me light a candle too. And he would explain, and his explanation had little to do with the actual reasons for those candles being there, I guess, but he would explain that every time he put a quarter in that box and lit a candle in that church, he would say a prayer. My grandfather was the person who taught me to pray, And what he taught me was that he would always ask God for something that had to do with someone that he loved, someone that he cared about. He taught me that, and this was his way of praying, one never prays for oneself. He taught me that prayers were a way of spreading love into the world, that they weren't a selfish act of petition to a God who might do us a favor. My grandfather taught me a lot, and yet he was a mere human being, a complicated human being, a human being that especially now as an adult, but even then when I was a child, I could see in pretty much all of his glorious flawedness, he taught me a lot. He was one of my actual ancestors and also one of my spiritual ancestors. This is the time of year, the end of October, when many faith traditions around the world believe that the veil is thinnest between this world, the world of the living, and the next, the world of the dead. It is the time of year when many faith traditions around the world reach out to remember those who have passed on before us those whose presence has made it possible for us to be here today. And today I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about not only our physical ancestors, not only those people whose life gave us life, but our spiritual ancestors, those people whose spirit gave us spirit whose words and deeds continue to inspire us, whose actions and lessons teach us every day on our spiritual journey. And as we think about those spiritual 
ancestors. I had to pick, about, pick some hymns to sing this morning. And I thought about the hymn in our hymnal called For All the Saints. You might be familiar with it. It's, it's an oldie moldy kind of hymn in the, in the hymnal. It's really very staid and often reserved for ordination and installation services because it's one of those great hymns to march to. Um, very proper hymn, but it talks about the saints in our religious past and how we walk in their place today. And I specifically didn't choose that hymn. I specifically didn't choose that hymn because I don't think the people in whose place we now walk were saints. I don't think that they were some sort of extra spiritual superhuman people. They were normal, ordinary, flawed human beings, just like we are. And so I chose to have us sing How can I keep from singing through all the tumult and the strife? We keep on singing through all the pain and the imperfections in our lives. We keep on singing. And so I choose to today ask you to remember human beings. Human beings whose spirit gave us spirit and whose lives gave us life. And wonder if maybe we can remember them and honor them, fully and deeply honor them and their ministries in this world without turning them into gods, without turning them into saints whose memory we must exalt and only talk about the good things. Those of you who've been here a while have probably heard me talk about people like Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau who are spiritual ancestors of Unitarian Universalism, who were deeply flawed human beings, just as I am, just as you are. They were too. They had a lot of wonderful things to teach us. They were among the first in this country to insist that the experience of the divine in our world is transcendent and available to everyone. It's an amazing spiritual gift that they had, despite the fact that they were, they were prickly and ornery and maybe a little hypocritical from time to time. And, and I talk about those things because I think we need to remember them as human beings. Henry David Thoreau wasn't some Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree seeking enlightenment in his, in his cabin in the woods at Walden. He was a human being who brought his laundry into town for Mrs. Emerson to wash as he experienced self-reliance in his cabin (laughs) in the woods at Walden. He was a human being, but that doesn't diminish the wonderful things that he had to teach us. As someone who claims a universalist theology, I am especially proud of being in the faith tradition of Olympia Brown, Olympia Brown was the first woman in the world to receive ordination um, and have that come with the full recognition of her faith tradition. There were other women who'd been ordained as ministers in congregational 
churches and others, but none of them had their churches recognized. None of them had their, their denominations recognize their ministry. The Universalist Church of America recognized Olympia Brown's ministry, and she went on not only to serve congregations, but to be a tireless activist for social justice. Her daughter remembers her this way. Her daughter writes, Gwendolyn Willis, her daughter. She was not popular. She was indomitable and uncompromising, traits that do not lend themselves well to politics and leadership. She cared little for society, paid no deference to wealth, represented an unfashionable church, promoted a cause regarded as certain to be unsuccessful, women's suffrage. She was troublesome because she asked people to do things, to work, contribute money, go to meetings, think, and declare themselves openly as favoring a principle or public measure. She's described in other biographies of her as formidable, which is a polite way to say that she pissed people off. She was not perhaps the most polite crusader for social justice our world has ever seen. She made people mad. She didn't care that relationships necessarily needed to be fostered. She knew that she was right, that women deserved equal rights in our country, that women deserved the right to vote. And she wasn't going to be nice to people who didn't, didn't agree that she was right. She still was an amazing spiritual ancestor of ours. She was a human being. And it's best for us to remember her as such and not as a saint, a godly presence in our religious history. This afternoon, we'll have the chance to watch a documentary about two other human beings who are spiritual ancestors of ours. And I hope that you'll stay and watch it. It's only about 70 minutes long. Waitstill and Martha Sharp were a Unitarian minister and his wife um, from Wellesley Hills, Massachusetts. They were asked by the president of then the American Unitarian Association in, um, as the Nazis were um, coming to power in Europe to go to Europe to help save refugees on behalf of Unitarians everywhere. Waitstill and Martha Sharp had two small children at home, and yet they left their children in the care of others and ran off to Europe to do this life-saving and important work, this work that led to the formation of the organization that is now the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, from which we get our symbol, the flaming chalice. Waitstill and Martha Sharp saved countless numbers of children and others um, fleeing persecution in Nazi Europe. They, they got people to safety. They got them on boats to the United States. Um, they literally saved lives. They saved hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of lives. But they were imperfect human beings. And if we pretend they were gods, then we are pretending that we are not ourselves capable of the greatness that they accomplished. And that, I think, is ultimately the 
the biggest flaw in remembering our ancestors as saints. If we think of our ancestors, our spiritual teachers, our guides, our inspirations as saints, as people who were somehow greater than, than human in their actions, if we remember them without their flaws and their imperfections, we convince ourselves that because we are merely humans, we are not capable of that sort of greatness. And I beg to differ. I believe that as we remember our spiritual ancestors today, as we remember our our living ancestors today, it behooves us to learn the lessons they had to teach us and to learn especially the lesson that ordinary human beings, deeply flawed and imperfect human beings, can make this world a better place, can find noble and great truths can, can lead us to a better place, a more just place, a place of more relationship, a place of more love, a place of more compassion. I think we need to take from their lessons that we are capable of greatness, that we are bound to be remembered by the next generation who speak names into a sacred space. May it be so.